Will you take him with you? Is he to become a Jedi? Yes. Our meeting was not a coincidence. Nothing happens by accident. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode 312, The Will of the Force. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Carl LeClaire. We are joined this week by, of course, the venerable, the only Katie Horn, and the creator of this episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast, all the way from England, that's another country, it's Bobby Gordon. Misa back! <laughs> Hello, boils. <laughs> so, we are... I'm so excited, Bobby. You, I forgot you'd been on the show a while back. My apologies. Yeah, yeah it on, was Tales of the Larians number 11, I think. That's right. You might have been one of the last. We need to get back to that. <laughs> I loved doing that. Um, but Bobby, of course, was uh, a, a huge Patreon supporter about a, two months ago. Sorry that you're just getting on now, Bobby. Um but Bobby is came up with a topic, and he's going to run this show. I'm so excited. Jason couldn't be with us today, but like that's fine because Katie Horn loves Phantom Menace, so we've got her. Um, <laughs> it's just as good. It's even, <laughs> some I never knew you like the Phantom Menace. What? what? Not, that's never come up. <laughs> yeah, never once. Yeah, I keep it on the down low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, Bobby, I'm literally so excited to talk about this topic and the the questions and the notes you've prepared for us are just phenomenal i can't wait to get into this no this discussion and actually katie it kind of works so perfectly with the way our last episode ended where we were talking about right the kind of this need for for the jedi and the force and how important it is to the, the galaxy at large so now it's going to be so fun to just crack open this topic of the will of the force that bobby has brought to us um so, because this is a Bobby Gordon censored episode, we're going to kind of hop right into it. We're saving our poll till next week. We're also recording a lot earlier than normal, um, so we didn't get a chance to get that up on social media. Um, but we are going to remind you of that poll at the end of the episode. But without further ado, Bobby, where where did this come from? Where did when did you come up with the topic, the will of the force? Why was this what you wanted to go to? It's something that's been percolating in my brain for a little while. Uh, I've been, I'm also a patron of Steve Glosson, and um, he's got a, a Forceology podcast that's part of, um, you know, a patron exclusive. And they do a lot of, you know, discussions of the Force, just going through it, you know, movie by movie, like looking at, you know, what is it that this, this particular um, story is telling us about the Force and all that sort of thing, you know. Um, and yeah, they've mentioned the will of the force once or twice, but they've not really delved deeply into it. And I thought to myself, oh, this is something I really want to know about, you know. And there's some things that have come out in some of the newer films lately that have uh, have have given me thoughts, and I wanted to share them with you guys. So, yeah, and, and yeah, I thought it'd be a, a good a good subject to go over. Oh, that's so exciting, and I, I love that you bring up the sequel trilogy too. Because I agree, I feel like uh, there's been some new stuff, some real good food for thought here, and just yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so where are we let's starting, Bobby? Where do you want us to start? 
Well, I thought what we'd do is just just to get us all on the same page, let's start with the basics. And let me ask you, uh, Carl, what is the force? I feel like I just want to immediately turn it back on you, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no. I, but this is also important, you know. Uh, to me, the force is simply life. Um, it, it's it's just like it's the life blood of the Star Wars galaxy. Um, so the force is, I don't know, this kind of omnipresent force. It's hard not to use the word force while defining it, which I know you're not supposed to do um, in a definition of a word, but. To me, it's this omnipresent um, reality that draws everything into a fuller, richer, more abundant life. Um, I, I, I always want to kind. Of, I mean, I always want to equate it to God because I think it is, in, in some ways, the God of the Star mm. Wars universe. I don't think it's quite as personified and personal as most understandings of God, though. Um, but right, even if you go back to George Lucas's earliest thoughts on the Force, his idea of the Force was to give some sort of spiritual religious reality to these films. He was very clear about that. Um, so to me, the force is simply this, this thing that exists everywhere that is constantly drawing things into a fuller life. Um, that's how I understand the force. But uh, what about you two? How do you understand the force? Um, I've said this before, but for me, um, the force is that which connects all things. It connects all of us together in the great circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's it's um, it is that connection between you, me, the rock, the tree. Um, it 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 is um, the difference between thinking inwardly and thinking of how do I fit in this greater, bigger picture? How does my life affect? that around me. And um, so when I look at someone like Padme, like specifically, who is a peacemaker, you know, she takes two opposing forces and says, okay, but how can we get along? I think that is the force. You know, I think um, the way Luke describes it in, in The Last Jedi, when he's all like, there's, there's these two opposing forces, light and dark, there's destruction and life, you know, there's death, which feeds new life. And the force is the balance between those two opposing forces. Um, that's, that's what I think the force is. It's that balance between all things in life, you know, working life forms, working together for mutual advantage. That's, uh, yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how I see it. By you, Bobby. Mm. Well, <clears throat> I was thinking about what Obi-Wan said, and he says, The Force is what gives a Jedi its, its, his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. So, like you say, Carl, it's, it's, it's life, basically. But it's, it's, it's something that... Um, I say we, but it's not we. It's, you know, obviously, it's the people of the Star Wars galaxy. But it's, it's something that, that we are generating. We're creating ourselves. So, yeah, it's something that we're contributing towards without even really thinking about it. But then it's connecting us all as where we're, we're part of like a large whole almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting, yeah. though. Yeah. yeah. So it raises the question then, what is the dark side and how is that different from the light side? Katie, what do you think? Uh, well, for me, I think I think the dark side is definitely you know part of it because you can't you can't have one without the other. When you judge something good, you are judging something else bad, you know. And so I think um, I don't know. I just I think about the Mortis trilogy in the Clone Wars. 
um, how there's, you know, when there's a daughter, there's always going to be the son. And I think it's, it's the force, you know, the father, it's his job to balance these two like opposing forces. And it's the role of the dark side. I'm not really sure what like the role of it is uh, from like a very personal level. I think when I look at dark side characters and when I look at someone like the son and I'm like, wow, he's so full of anger and the daughter says, well, don't, don't hate him for that. That's his nature. And I'm like, well, how is it fair? Or how is it, you know, fair that some people are just, you know, going to be born, you know, full of anger and it's going to be always really hard for them to, you know, why, why, why do some people get to be good essentially and other people have to be bad? And then I think maybe that point is that it's, it's not fair. And for some people, it's going to be harder. It's going to be really, really hard to listen to that, that goodness inside of them, that, that drop of light that we see in, in the dark side, you know, um, there's that symbol of the force and the dark side has that drop of light in it. And it's always Mm. going to be harder for him to listen to that, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't try. And when the only time we see the sun even close to happy is when he is listening to, you know, the, uh, the good side, when he, when he's, when he looks at his sister and says, you're the only one I've ever loved. You know, so I think I think that is the dark side. It it's always going to be part of life, but and it's not that it shouldn't exist. It's just that for some people, yeah, it's going to be a lot harder. And it's it's you know the the will of the force is to is to balance out. You know, is to find a lack of a lack of conflict. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What about you, Cole? You know, I hate talking about the Morris trilogy because it's literally the most confusing thing Star Wars has ever given us. <laughs> um, <like> I, <laughs> that's what makes it so fun. <laughs> uh, I know, like it's it, that's like you, that should be the type of Star Wars that I eat up because of how like right it's so mystified and and spiritualized. But I found mm-hmm. it extremely confusing. I think it really messed up in some ways the beauty of the Force. Um, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. there, so we have to contend with it. It's it's canon, and I wish it wasn't. But, um, but <laughs> see, because the way I understand the dark side is simply the absence of the light or a corruption of the light. I don't see them as these um, two like equally powered things that need to be balanced. Um, and that goes back to something that George himself even said in one of the early Clone Wars um, videos. Like, if you can pull this up on YouTube, and he talks about how. Essentially, the light side is everything like the the balance of the force is that the light shines brightest and the dark side is just simply the absence of the light. And the way I understand it, um, and this is something I was thinking about for a while and and I was thinking about the force and and I obviously equating it to something in human existence, but that of religion. The fact that religion is I think religion is like inherently good, but you have people that corrupt it and make it something dark. Right. You have people that corrupt what it's really about, like fundamentalists and extremists who pervert it into something it was never meant to be and therefore do damage and they do violence. Mm. And that's how I see the dark side is, is they are people that know the force. They can tap into the force, but their only purpose behind the force is self-serving and selfishness, right? George is very clear about that. The light is selfless. This dark is selfish. So to me, it's it's taking something that's maybe not inherently good. Maybe that's the wrong way to put it in Star Wars language, but something that's inherently in balance if you want to use that kind of Star Wars language. And the dark is simply the corruption of that balance. It's it's just about oneself. It's about self... I don't know. It's, you know, it's just pure selfishness. So to me, the dark side is just simply the corruption of the light. It's taking something that is there and using it for the wrong, the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, so that's I how I understand it. Hmm. 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to be all like, well, you're wrong, Carl. But I think I I can't help but feel that that is what drove Anakin like so horribly, horribly wrong was that thinking that, you know, it, you know, he would say things like Jedi don't have nightmares. You know, he would he had this ideal of what he was supposed to be. And when he had the smallest slip up, he's like, well, I'm bad now and I can never be good again. You know? Where do you, I think the the point is that you know yeah there's going to be darkness in you but you have to find a way to live with it and find that lack of conflict that peace within yourself. Sure. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What, I, I like you, I like what you said, um, Carl. When you, you you mentioned selfishness and selflessness, mm-hmm. I uh, for, for me that's that's key and and the and the, the fundamental differences between the Jedi and. And, and the Sith or, or dark side users is that a dark side user, they're only thinking about themselves. So they're actually using the force in a way they're trying to direct it to the, like their own will. Whereas a Jedi will be, they'll be, they'll be um, allowing themselves to be like a conduit or, or, or an instrument of the light side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. think that sounds right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. So, so, would you say does does the force have an intelligence? I think it does, um, in a way, right? So the the in the actually, Bob, have you read the Last Jedi novel? I've listened to it. Okay. And so I've sort of skimmed over it quickly. Yeah. Okay. Have yeah. you have you read it, Katie? I have not. Okay. I should, but yeah, I it, haven't. It's very good. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd put it right up on par. With, no, I wouldn't put it up on par with Revenge of the Sith because nothing touches how good that is. But, oh, I agree. <laughs> hard agree. But it is very good because it gives us a lot that the movie didn't that I think could have benefited the movie. And for instance, the scene where Luke reconnects with the Force, right? He touches that rock and then he has the interaction with Leia. Um, but in that moment in the novel, Luke is talking about how he understands that there is both the living and cosmic force, right? This is language that's been thrown around Star Wars since really the Phantom Menace. Um, And what Luke recognizes is that the living force is just one aspect of the force, but the thing he had been ignoring most of all was the cosmic force, that it does have a will and a purpose. That's literally the language they use in the the novel. Um, And he understands finally that the cosmic force has led Rey to him. Like it's beating him over the head, like Rey is the next step, right? Um, and that's when he understands that there is a will and purpose again to the force. So I think that there is an intelligence to it. Um, I, again, like I, I'm wary to like make it to this world by saying like it, it has like a very direct personal will, like the way I understand, like the will of God in a way, but I think it has a will that everything really be fully alive. So in that way, yeah, it does have an intelligence and tries to lead people to that. Um, so I would say that it does, um, I don't think it's super direct in the sense of like it has like every little thing preordained or predetermined, but I think it has an intelligence insofar as that it has a, that it has a purpose for everything. Um, so that's how I, I, I think that it does. Um, what about you, Bobby and Katie? <laughs> uh, let Katie go first. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Again, um, I, I'm so sorry, Carl. I keep disagreeing with you. Like <laughs> Carl's wrong. <laughs> No, I, I I don't see it as as 
um, intelligent necessarily. What I see is um, maybe an emotional intelligence because I think the force um, to these characters in Star Wars speaks when when they do something that feels right. You know, when when you you know when you're making a wrong decision. You know, even when you're like, oh, I'm doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. You still you feel bad when you make that wrong that wrong decision for the right reasons. When you're doing something that feels that you know is right and you feel that that peace inside yourself that is that's the balance you know of the force that that's the force speaking to you um so i don't see that as intelligence necessarily just an, an emotional intelligence <laughs> oh, but i'm super interested in what you have to th- what you think bobby yeah yeah um i i would say um not as such it's it's like uh one of the things that um Steve Glosson and um, Shaz Bazaar on their podcast are saying is that it's like an, an impersonal, it's an, an impersonal in- intelligence, mm-hmm. you know? And if you think of like a, a river that is flowing downstream, the river has a so- certain flow to it. It's a direction it's going, it's going a certain way and you can throw like a rock into it and the, the, the river will react to it but it will still end up reaching its end point, you know? So, and it's, it's not like the river is deciding that it's going to go that way. It's just following gravity. It's following, you know, the, the, the downhill sort of direction that it is slowly, it's slowly sort of going to, you know? But, I have uh, a, yeah, no, I like that. I have, I have a question. Mm-hmm. If it is like intelligent, you know, then why would it need someone like Padme to like speak on its behalf? You know, Padme is always trying to find, you know, peaceful solutions. She's, you know, she's that peacemaker. If the force was intelligent, why would it need Padme? Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think if, I I think if you, I think that's pretty, I think it's an easy answer is that of course the force needs something to personify itself. It needs something to personify Mm -hmm. its intelligence. Again, I'll go, to the you know what Yoda says in Young the ladies. gathering, you know um, the you know the <laughs> Jedi are the Force made visible, right? So yeah. they mm. they need the Force needs something to make its will known, make its intelligence known, um, you know, make its purpose known. If something has a purpose, it has to have an intelligence. Mm. Um, and again, we learn in the Last Jedi novel that it does have a purpose. Therefore, it must have an intelligence. Is the way I'd put it. Um, Mm. so, you know, why does it need Padme? Well, it always needs something to advocate for itself. Um, maybe not advocate. That's too strong, but it needs something to make itself visible. The force isn't something invisible, right? Luminous beings are we, but Mm. luminous beings exist in a concrete world. So what gives luminous being like, what gives that luminosity it's, um, concrete manifestation? Well, people, things, you know, creation. So Padme can speak on behalf of the intelligence of the force, I think. So she's integral to it. It, it, without, without people to, you know, speak, you know, and make the force known, it it can't be known. Even the midi-chlorians, right? In Phantom Mm. Menace, Qui-Gon tells Anakin, we hear them speaking to us, telling us the will of the force, right? Like the midi-chlorians themselves were something that were created, I mean, much to a lot of people's chagrin, but I think it's fantastic. The midi-chlorians are there to literally tell us that there is something even within, you know, created stuff that speaks to you about this luminosity, something that makes it known. 
Um, so I feel like Padme, without whether she knows it or not, in some way, she has obviously got midi chlorians that are speaking to her. <laughs> so, oh, she! Oh, one hundred percent. Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Padme's so good. <laughs> She's. Uh, I, I will. Sorry. I, I was going to say, I, I think that the, the rebellion is is another example of people who you know um, are, are using the, the force in some sort of way. They may not know it, and they may not be able to have control of it, but they're they're still they're still doing what is right, you know, and they're still um, you know trying to they're doing a selfless act because obviously they're putting their lives on the line for the rest of the galaxy. So, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely, there's um. It's not limited to just the Jedi, is it? It's like you say, it's just normal everyday people as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, <laughs> when, when when do we first hear the the will of the Force being mentioned? Uh, uh, well, wait, yeah, that's a really good. You don't. I know the. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't. The first time you hear the will of the Force is Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. Qui Gon says it. Yeah. Midichlorians are a microscopic life form that resides in all living cells. You know, he says it, he mentions it before this, though. Um, Does he? The first mention of the will of the Force is when he's talking to the Council and he says, Finding him was the will of the Force. I have no doubt of that, right? Finding uh-huh. Anakin, he equates to the will of the Force. He tells mm-hmm. that to Yoda and Mace in the Jedi Council chambers. So that's the first time we hear mention of the will of the Force. Okay. Um,. God, I love Phantom Menace. Um, <laughs> yes. I feel like, Katie, we can, we can always agree on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, 100%. <laughs> um, but that's the first mention of it is, you know, is this idea. And again, what does that mean? It's the will of the force that he found Anakin. Well, for Qui-Gon, that, you know, that, that prophecy of a chosen one is something very real to him. And, you know, somebody like Mace Windu, who I find incredibly arrogant, and he got what was coming to him. Um, <laughs> I hate Mace Windu so much. Um, it's not great. It's not. <laughs> he's the worst. Um, take a seat, young Skywalker. I love in the novel, he's like, maybe I'll take yours. It's like, yeah, take it. Oh, <laughs> take it. It's <laughs> um, like Keanu Mandy in the background. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, but like, you know, for Mace, I think Mace like laughs off that prophecy, right? Like they live in a world, again, like the fa- by the Phantom Menace, the forces become incredibly rationalized. They're, they're trying to make it some sort of scientific proof. Um, that was part of the point of the Medichlorians is, again, the Jedi are doing things wrong. And I know we'll get to this a little bit later, um, but like you look at somebody like Chirrut, you know, he's doing the force right. The council is doing it wrong. Um, so... But you know, dialing it all back, Qui-Gon does believe in these prophecies. Qui-Gon does believe that there is a will of the Force for a chosen one. And especially, I think, even more so now because he's just encountered Darth Maul and he understands that the Sith have returned. It makes sense to Qui-Gon that the will of the Force, of course, has picked this chosen one, right? It, ha- it has an answer to this rising darkness. And I think that's what Qui-Gon is, is indicating when he says finding Anakin was the will of the Force. He thinks that it's, it's the force has an answer to the rising darkness. Mm. Interesting. Katie, can you think of any other um, any other times where the, the the will of the force is mentioned? Well, Bobby, I cut you off on your. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. So I, I was <laughs> I was doing the scene out on the on the on the landing platform just as they're about to leave. So yeah, um, yeah. There's there's a bit um, where uh, where is it? Yeah, it, they're talking about the midichlorians and the symbionts and that. And then Qui-Gon says, life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midichlorians, 
Life could not exist and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling us the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to you. So, yeah. Oh, like, on drops mic. Oh, I got, I got <laughs> chills. Like, <laughs> like, for serious. <laughs> yeah. Like... The, the will of the force not really something that's mentioned in the in the you know the original trilogy at all and then you hear that mentioned and it's like it raised it raised so many questions when it first came out and it and it and it did change it and everyone was like oh the midi chlorines are oh, it ruined it. it it didn't ruin it for me at all you know and i don't, I, mm. I know it probably didn't ruin it for you guys either but um oh, certainly not <laughs> but it it certainly you know exploded the notion of the force into into whole new questions you know which mm-hmm. i i love it like say what you will about the about the prequels being you know not as good as the original trilogy but i would say that the the, the prequels are infinitely more interesting mm. yeah. oh yeah. yeah no i will i'll i'll stand for midichlorians all day all <laughs> all day long like you guys bring come come to me with all your midichlorian questions complaints like just imagine me at like a little counter like a little (laughs) customer service well even like going back to something you mentioned earlier katie which which i think is was was phenomenal is right that you you were kind of indicating that um the force may not have like that specific intelligence but you feel like it's more of like this emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. um and i feel like maybe that's in a way that's the data if you will for the midichlorians is you know, when you do what's right and you just kind of know it, I think for Qui-Gon, that might be him saying, like, yes, the Medichlorians are, like, they're they're telling you that that feels good, right? Like, I don't know, almost like this emotional intelligence is how the Medichlorians might communicate with you, right? Um, mm-hmm. Is that they have a sense, they have this emotional intelligence and that is constantly alive within you, to, you know, based on the choices you make. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I think, you know, yeah, when you're, when you're, aware of what you're feeling and when you put time into well, why why do i feel something inside and and it gives you that kind of you know catharsis when you when you're really thinking about what you're feeling you're right it could for the characters in star wars it could be like the midichlorians are like are giving you this feeling of right or wrong you know and then when you when you do what makes you feel right the midichlorians are like yes <laughs> telling you the will of the force <laughs> Mm, interesting um, yeah so um katie can you think of any other times that the, the will of the force is mentioned um i can't think of another time that it's been mentioned but i do want to like i don't know crack this open a little bit because um gosh actually this was a couple months ago i was talking to my friend megan um she's meg meg pen pen on twitter <laughs> And she had this like really firm belief that um, Qui-Gon was not listening to the will of the Force. And he was, in fact, like in bold defiance of the will of the Force of, in The Phantom Menace. And this like that like blew my mind. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hang on. What? Like I could not I could not handle what she was laying down. But then when I looked at it from her point of view, I could kind of understand where she was coming from. She was saying, you know, the will of the Force, you know, Anakin was born far away from the Republic you know, where the Jedi couldn't find him and the will for, you know, these obstacles keep getting in, you know, in Anakin's way, almost like telling him like, no, the right thing is for you to stay with your mother, you know, instead of going off with the Jedi. And maybe it was the will of the force that the Jedi don't meddle with this child and Mm -hmm. that, you know, Qui-Gon, you know, manipulating the dice and doing everything to conspire to bring Anakin to the Jedi was not the will of the force at all. 
And I was like, all right, that's fair enough. It, wow, what a cool like take. I, I totally read it in a different way, but I can, I can almost see where she's coming from. You know? Yeah, wow. that's a really cool insight. I, I love that that the, the fact that he is born so far from them, and I don't think I'd go so far as to boldly say he was defying it because I, I don't think that at all. I think yeah. he, was, I mean, he was doing what he thought was right, which he thought was the will of the Force, um, right? But he, by bringing it, by bringing Anakin into the broken system of the Jedi, at, you know, at that state of the galaxy, mm-hmm. in a way, corrupts Anakin, right? So maybe mm-hmm. he wouldn't have been if he stayed out there. Who knows? Like, but that's a really cool notion. I wouldn't be so bold as to say that Qui Gon defies it. I think he may have just maybe he didn't get it all correct, which makes sense. We seldom do. So what do you, mm-hmm. what do you think, Bobby? I, I view Qui Gon as being the, the most pure Jedi Jedi there there was around about that sort of time. Everyone ah. else, you know, he's he's another word that I like to to to, to describe the you know the the Jedi like a true Jedi would be righteous. And if you look at other members of the Jedi Council, you could use the word, uh, the term self-righteous to a lot of them, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, if, if Qui-Gon hadn't have been killed, then things mm, would have turned out differently. I don't know how that would have looked, but yeah. Oh. When you start thinking about the maybes, your the mind just tends to play. I can't, I can't <laughs> oh, do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, the biggest the biggest problem with Anakin there is the fact that the council tries to control him. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're they're so overbearing. They're so they really are afraid of his power. Um, yeah. Right. Like he he the, the, you know it, the, he, he admits as much in Revenge of the Sith to Obi Wan. You know, like that he the council doesn't trust him. They 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 they're afraid of him. And that's why I think they do try to like fit him, right? They're they're trying to mold him into something that I don't think the Force ever willed him to be. Yeah, um, the the Jedi are so fearful in the prequels, not just of Anakin, but of of the dark side as well. They they've completely, you know, um, tried to run away from anything that they they think could possibly lead to the dark side. You know, you know, no attachments, no. No possessions, no, no anything, and you know you could look at that and say, well, you know that's it's almost like I, I view it as like um, somebody who has you know an issue with alcohol. You know, um, you could if if you feel that you were to have one drink, then you would become an alcoholic, and you know, and then so you would you decide to yourself, no, I'm just not going to have any alcohol whatsoever. Whereas a balanced person would be like, yeah. I can have a drink, you know, every now and then, and 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 everything's all fine. Whereas, and there's other people who will just just give in and just drink alcohol all the time, you know. And it's it's all about you know how what sort of balanced individual you are, you know. And you know, it, I think like the Jedi were saying to themselves, no, we can't do anything that could possibly lead to the dark side. And you know, that's one way of coping it. But was it necessarily balanced? You know, I don't know. I, uh, that's a that's a really good. Um, comparison, Bobby, because I've always seen specifically like Vader in Return of the Jedi, like he's more he's more addicted to the force, the dark side of the force than he is a Sith Lord. Right. In the way that like Palpatine or Dooku was Um, to me, the the dark side really is like it's like a like it's he's abusing a substance in a way. Right. Like it has this control over him. Like, you know, a a drug has a control over an addict. Right. And that's how I've always understood Anakin doesn't really align with the Sith so much as becomes addicted to the power. Um, 
I, I, maybe, I mean, I can easily like almost counter myself by saying, well, what's the difference? I don't know. But, um, <laughs> you know, but I've always, I've always understood Anakin really becoming addicted to the dark side and being, you know, and abusing it more so than being like this full on Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and that's, that's the impression I get on that, you know, that one Luke hands himself over in Return of the Jedi. Like you, with his back to Luke, you know, you don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master, right? Like his master, like, yes, is specifically Sidious, but it's also more abundantly like this, this dark side essence, right? Like he's just so addicted to it. And that's, that's where I really hear that for Anakin. Yeah, mm. I feel like, you know, it's the only thing keeping him alive. Yeah. You know, he, he by by all rights he should be dead. It's I don't think, you know, it's the machines and the Bacta keeping him alive. It's it's the dark side kind of like, you know, keeping Maul alive in that pit. And if he has chosen power over over everything else and if he gives up that power, that dark side power, then he'll die and he's like I'll have nothing. So, it he really feels like that's all he has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I think he he got isolated so much in um, in Revenge of the Sith, and and he just feels that he's done. You know, he started down this dark path, and he there's there's no way that he could turn back. And I, I think he feels trapped and feels that the only thing he, there's nothing else he can do. Oh, I wish I had a copy. I I have a copy of the Revenge of the Sith novel, but I don't have it within arm's reach, sadly. (laughs) There's that that really good quote, you know, after Anakin, you know, is is put inside the Vader suit about how, you know, he just curls up inside the darkness because the darkness understands you. The darkness forgives you. You know, like he's done all these terrible things, but the dark, you know, the darkness is like, yeah, that's cool. That's what you were supposed to do. And, you know, and then inside your, your terrible heart, you just burn and burn and burn and i was like that's i feel that i feel it and it also but it ends by talking about how and Mm -hmm. it says all those things and it ends by saying but then you understand the true cruelty of the of the dark side that yourself Mm -hmm. is all you have left yeah exactly ah it's like so isolating right like Mm -hmm. oh your heart breaks for him yeah exactly yep Oh, the hairs are standing on it end right now. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's such a good book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well. Um, I, I was just going to mention that uh, another, another time that the will of the force is mentioned is by your old boyfriend, Maul himself. <laughs> oh, in yeah. The cl- oh, yeah. Oh, snap. In, You're right. <laughs> in the Clone Wars, there's the episode em- Eminence where he meets up with Pre Vizsla. And Pre Fizzler says, well, perhaps the fortune has brought us together. And Maul says, mm, it is the will of the force. Oh, that was so good. Oh, oh, good. oh Sam Witwer, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sam Witwer is just his pen name. His real name is Bobby Gordon. Yeah. He's not, man. <laughs> and he's British. Move over, move over. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I I need to go back and watch that now because I'm trying to remember the exact context in which he says that. Because yeah, he's like building his little like underground army. They're gonna take over Mandalore, and then I'm like, yeah, why would Maul say it's the will of the Force? Like, is he just saying that to make Pre Vizsla buy into Maul's campaign, or like, what's going on there? Interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the way that I view the dark side is that. Um, a dark side user isn't doing the will of the force. Mm-hmm. They're trying to use the force to their will. Oh yeah. Oh, know? 100%. Yeah. So for more to say that bringing together, it, you know, is the will of the force. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me, but it, oh, it's, snap. 
certainly okay. is interesting. I think I get where Maul's coming from now because, like, you know, he just basically launched himself and his brother into space to get away from Kenobi because he's just all like, well, we're going to die. <laughs> and then, like, out of all the people to find him, it's the enemy of my enemy, you know? And, and it's, for, furthermore, like, uh, remember um, the bounty hunters that found him and, and uh, Savage, you know, on the, on the cusp of death um, we're all like, uh, let's just let's just wipe them out. They're they're too far gone. Let's let's kill them. And Previs is like, no 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 no. I want to see where this goes. Let's go. You know, let's bring them back. Give them medical attention. Give Maul new legs. Like Previs kind of goes out of his way here for Maul. And Maul's just like, yeah. Out of all the people to find me, yeah, this must be the will of the force. Like, hmm. I don't know. I can kind of see where he's coming from. Carl, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think um, maybe just kind of going with some of the things we've already talked about so far, you know, the notion that the dark side's will, like you just so excellently put it, Bobby, is it's really just your own will, like, right? You, a dark side user ultimately tries to f- make the force bow to their whims, right? Bow to their will. Um, so I think in some corrupted way, like for Maul in that statement, he's saying, of course, it's the will of the force because it's my will. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even later in that, it might not be in that specific episode, Eminence, but it's in that arc where he he's talking with Savage or no, he tells Pre Vizsla later that episode. He's like, we need one purpose, you know, one vision, my vision. Right. Like Maul, yes. is, Maul is incredibly um, for for Maul, the force will do his will. Right. Like mm-hmm. he sees himself as someone who commands the force in the same way that Palpatine does. Um, and so for him to say that, you know, that's the will of the force, I think it's like, yeah, it's because the force is doing what I want it to. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's also, again, a corruption of the dark side is to think that your will can somehow order the galaxy. Like that's just inherently flawed and it's never going to work. <laughs> so, um, but that's how I understand it. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I think it sounds about right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, are there any mentions of the will of the force in Rogue One? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I can't remember it. Can 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 someone jog my memory? Pretty sure Krennic <laughs> says um, when he comes to get Galen, you know, at the beginning of the movie, and Galen's wearing his great space Under Armour shirt. He says, you know, it's the will of the force that you come with me, and Galen's like, I don't even believe in that crap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we stand upon my achievement, not yours. It's the will of the force. <laughs> yeah, I think Krennic says it like eight or nine times. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Bobby, you know, you know where he, who says it. You, you give us the lowdown, man. Ah, uh, it's it's our boy Chirrut. Our boy Chirrut. He says the force is with me, and I am with the force, and I fear nothing. For all is as the force wills it. Dude, you're so good at impressions. <laughs> <laughs> I hope nobody's offended. <laughs> I, I know it's, it's it's yeah. Well, hey, you're saying Whitwer was spot on too. Yeah, that too, exactly. Um, well, where's Jason? We need yeah. Jason for the next one. <laughs> oh God. Well, let's well, let's not jump to the next one before we delve into the amazingness okay. that is Chariot. Um, but that you're right. Like, I'm curious what you both think, though. Right? So Chariot in that statement, right? Like. All is is the force wills it. I mean, you could easily say like, wow, the will of the force is pretty horrible then, right? Like it wills that the empire reigns supreme and, you know, rule in this, you know, oppressive uh, manner, right? That's the will of the force. Um, so what do you what do you think Chira is saying there? 
I think for me, what he's saying is like, uh, I, I don't know. There, there's a reason he's in this situation right here, right now. There's a reason he's alive and, you know, a reason why he's surrounded by people with weapons pointed at him. And, I, and he's not afraid because all is as the force wills it. Like the force put him here in this moment for a reason. Mm. That's what I think it is. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'd agree. It's it. I, I, if 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 the force is something that's created by life, mm-hmm. um, then I would say that the will of the force is life, more life. You know, um, but Palpatine, his will is to control everything, to control all life and make it. You know, he's probably the most most fearful individual there is in the entire galaxy. And, you know, he's he's throwing so many rocks into the river, he's building the Death Star, which is like building up a dam for the whole river. But people like Chirrut are like, you know, they are allowing themselves to be a conduit for, you know, the, um, the galaxy's collective will to, you know, to, to, to bring down that dam. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and remember, like... You- Right, they brought back the old expression from the earliest screenplays for Star Wars with Chirrut. When we first hear Chirrut talking, he's saying, "May the force of others be with you." Right, that was the original statement um, in that in that first those first early drafts of of the Star Wars. You know, in in the mid seventies that George wrote was the will of. Did you uh, go ahead, Katie? Sorry, I was going to say, did you know that Sidious was supposed to say that to Maul in the first draft of the Phantom Menace? No. Yeah, as Maul walks away to go to to go to Tatooine, Sidious was supposed to say that, and but then George was like, "Actually, no, I don't actually know." <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would make any sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense to not have Sidious yeah. to Maul. Well, I think he. Yeah, I think maybe like the initial idea was like, "Oh, maybe the Sith and the Jedi, you know, maybe they are maybe Sidious, you know, has studied some Jedi teaching, you know, and he's just corrupting him." I think there was definitely like an idea there, and but he changed his mind ultimately like i don't think he did it just to be edgy (laughs) just imagine george making edgy decisions like just like i'm gonna do this Um, and people don't get it whatever (laughs) yeah i well i think um for chirrut there so i mean i've obviously every star wars fan is they interpret star wars based on their own experience right uh we based on we interpret it through the things that we know and also care about so of course for somebody like me i inevitably translate will of the force as often as i can as closely as i can to that understanding of the will of god and um the predominant theme um in in this all the gospels for jesus is when he talks about this kingdom of god and that it's coming that it's already in your midst and yet it's coming so i really like what you were saying katie in the sense of like chira is just so invested in the moment which again is another qui-gon thing right he's so immersed in the living force but also understands there's a cosmic force and i think and that's a very um theological notion too is 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 we talk about how the kingdom is already but not yet so it's this kind of confusing way of saying that it's already broken into the world but it's not in its fullness yet and i feel like for chirrut that's kind of the case with him is going with your point katie i think he sees himself in this specific moment to be an example of how the force is still alive it is still active and real and um Kind of like you were saying, Bobby, he is a he wants to be a conduit of that. But I think he also trusts in this sense of the cosmic force that even though things are still very broken, he understands that at some point something better is going to rise out of these out of this oppression. 
Um, and that's kind of how like uh, uh, Christians understand this idea of the kingdom, that it's, it's been planted, but it's still growing. And sometimes we don't see it growing, which can be frustrating and, and annoying, but it is indeed growing into something fuller. And I think that's kind of how Chirrut understands the will of the force is that this isn't directly the will of the force, like that the empire reigns supreme, but more so that the force is still in existence. And as much as the, the empire has tried to you know, erase it from the galaxy's knowledge, right? Erase it from the everyday lexicon, that it is something very real. He is present to it in the moment, and it's also something coming about, that he does believe, to use Jin's line later in the movie, that something's listening. Someone's out there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is kind of how I understand that statement for Chirrut. So. Oh, Rogue One is so good. It is. <laughs> oh, it's perfect. <laughs> I, I, I would say that the force is all over that film you know uh possibly it's 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 certainly a more blatant way than it than it is in the sequel trilogy i would say i think more than almost i i I would say almost in more blatant way than all the movies really i mean Mm -hmm. i I think the lore of the force is so beautifully expanded in rogue one in a way that it it i mean just in a way that it hadn't been before um and it's and it that's not a a statement of you know making it better or worse than anything else, but it's something profoundly new with the Force and embodied in the character of Chirrut, um, because he's not a Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Is he a Jedi? Yeah. There are no Jedi here anymore. Just dreamers like this fool, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, that Chirrut kind of like we were talking about at the end of last week's episode, Katie. Chirrut wants to remind the galaxy of that higher ideal. Right, that there is something bigger, um, constantly pulling at the threads in the fabric of their current reality, trying to pull it into something more alive, something better. Mm. Um, that's what I think Chirrut represents. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think the reason the reason Rogue One it feels like just one of the most one of the most like brimming with the force you know movies that we've gotten in a while like the force just like seems to just you know radiate out of this film is because we have these characters who by the end of it are giving themselves for nothing more than like belief and hope and then we see the the fruits of that labor you know uh manifest in in you know the the original trilogy we see the the eventual triumph of light but they they give them their lives for for a future they'll never see and that just the we can see the will of the force act through them. Yeah. You know, all these people who aren't, aren't even Jedi, you know, we see the will of the force act through them. And it's just an incredible movie. I really like rogue one, rogue one, real good. <laughs> yeah. And even it, real good. Even thinking about the, you know, the beginning of the movie with Lyra, right. Mm-hmm. Trust the force. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. She yeah. doesn't say the will of the force, but she's clearly implying that there is something about the force worth trusting, worth believing in that it's, that it's doing something still. Right. And then we even, we see Jin doing that both in a very like on the nose symbol of her rubbing her kyber crystal as they're hoping to get through the shield gate. Right. Mm -hmm. Like she's, it's literally showing us that she's trusting in it right now. She believes in it. And then we see her give it in that full ultimate way at the end. Like you were just saying, Katie, Mm -hmm. Um, God, that's a good movie. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. (laughs) 
So <laughs> there's there's one other will of the force that I can that I can remember being mentioned, and that is in Rebels, and it's in uh, it's in the third season finale of Zero Hour, and it's it's actually mentioned by the Bendu. And it's when he's speaking to Kanan Jarrus, Jedi Knights. Oh! <laughs> we got Sam Witwer, uh, Donnie Yen, and Tom Baker. That's his name, right? Tom Baker. We've got three folks in the studio with us, y'all. Man, Bobby, just knocking him out of the Eat your heart out, Jason. <laughs> Jason. Jason doesn't know why, but for some reason, he just like shed a tear and he's like, uh, why do wait, I feel I wait, feel so sad right now? Just, I don't know why. Just one tear? <laughs> just one? Yeah, just one. This know, is a single tear for Katie, you, Carl. You know how I feel about those. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> Whenever uh, they sh- very- they shed just one, but I shed many. <laughs> <laughs> I hear I hear their solo note and give it a chorus response. So <laughs> sorry. Anyway, Bobby. Yeah. The yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so he's talking to Kanan and uh, it's when you know, um, he, uh, Kanan goes up to him and he goes, come on, Bendu, we need your help. And he's like, oh, I'm not getting involved in your war. I want no part of it. And Kanan keeps on, you know, he is, keep, keeps on poking the bear and he calls him a coward. And then suddenly the Bendu throws a hissy fit and he turns into this big cloud. And he says, perhaps it is the will of the force that the Jedi and all your kind perish. And I serve the will of the force. So what do you guys think of that? Uh, I think the Bendu's full of it. Yeah. Yeah, same. Shut up, Bendu. <laughs> yeah, right. You what are, do you know? You, you, are think, a coward. you think you're so cool yeah. just because you're a big moose? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Trim your antlers and your ego. Um, right. Just kidding. <laughs> um, I mean, he's definitely he's definitely, you know, wise. He has some wisdom to share, but kind of like Yoda, that doesn't mean that he's all knowing and that he has all the answers. You yeah. know, I think he's very much like, you know, Yoda is in the prequels or Yoda is like, "Oh, I have everything. Oh, have everything figured out. I do. Mastered my fears, conquered. Mm. No, no, no. I have yeah. like, you know, oh, sure Yoda. Okay. Yeah, awesome. Great comparison, yeah. Katie. Thank um, you. Oh, I love that. Isn't uh, that's in um that's uh, the, the Lost Missions that yeah. that Yoda arc? Yep. Yeah, and yep. I wish I could remember the exact quote. Oh, it's like he says, "No, all that exists within I do." Like yeah. you know when he's going to be tested, and he's right. like, "No, Pshaw, Jedi Master, I am." Yep. Like no, no, yeah. Yoda. Already know that, do I? Yes. Right. <laughs> um. Yeah. You know, for the Bendu there, right? Well. Again, I think something very clearly that's already come out in our conversation is the notion of the will of the force is going to depend greatly on our own points of view, right? Mm-hmm. So the Bendu has an understanding of the will of force just like Qui-Gon does, just like Chirrut might, just like Padme might, right? Like all of these characters might have some understanding of what that means. It doesn't mean that any of them are 100% right. It could mean that they're all in a way right, right? They all might have a ray of truth. There's probably a ray of truth in all of their understandings, Um and uh, and yet none of them capture its fullness. I mean, I think that's kind of the point of the Force. They talk something about they talk about that in the Revenge of the Sith novel as well. Padme and Obi Wan are having a conversation, and Padme says to him, "Well, isn't it you know isn't this the will of the Force?" And Obi Wan says in response, "Well, we talk about the will of the Force like we do um, understanding like the beauty of a stream or something." He's like, "We use language to point at it, but we can never encapsulate it." I'm I'm p- clearly paraphrasing here. But mm-hmm. that's a conversation Padme and Obi-Wan even have in the Revenge of the Sith novel. Read it. Um, but uh, 
You know, so I think for the Bendu who does right, he sees himself as the one in the middle, the one who who's balanced between the light and the dark. For him, it might make sense that the will knocked out this predominantly light side force, right? Like the Jedi have almost overpopulated the galaxy with this bright light that it's almost so bright it's blinding. Um, mm. And clearly this is me interpreting what that Bendu might be thinking. I'm not saying this is exactly what he thinks. But maybe for him, he sees this as a way of humbling the Jedi and reminding them, like Luke would say in, in Last Jedi, that the Force doesn't belong to the Jedi. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe the way the Bendu understands it, kind of going with uh, what you were bringing up earlier, Katie, that your, your friend on Twitter was talking about, is that maybe the will of the Force is that there is something outside the Jedi that still has an importance. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's how the Bendu might understand the will of the Force is that um, it's, the, the Force itself is trying to return some sort of deeper balance than the Jedi were able to maintain. I don't know. That's, those are my thoughts. What do you guys think? I, uh, to me, the, the Bendu in some ways reminds me of the father from the Mortis trilogy. And, you know, when you look at when um, w- when you look at where the father was sitting, there was like a, a pair of scales that were above him. Where, and there was like the, the dark side emblem on one side and the, on the light side emblem on the other. And one of the things that he said was that too much light or too much darkness would be would be disastrous for the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So, like you say, the the the, the Jedi in the in the era of the prequels they become so self righteous that their light was so intense that it was unbearable. Mm. Yeah, what do you think, Hazy? I've just I've always found the Bendu highly suspect because he. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just like I have I have so many questions about the Bendu, and I just have such. I don't know, I guess resentment towards him because he says, like, I'm the one in the middle. But then, like, you know, Darth Maul shows up and the Bendu pieces out. Like, he's just all like, no, I'm not going to talk to that guy. Uh, you know, he only ever appears to talk to Jedi and light side people. There was, like, that whole scene where he was supposed to, he was supposed to have a scene with Ahsoka. But then, um, then Ezra is like, oh, a Sith, Darth Maul is coming. Like, he specifically calls Maul a Sith and, and Darth. He says, Darth Maul. And I'm like, okay, one, Maul is neither of those things anymore. You know, Maul is actually, you know, like Ahsoka, you know, they neither of them align with anything anymore. And so I think, I thought the Bendu would be like intensely interested in people like that. Um, But then, you know, they're like, I don't want to see Maul anymore. And the Bendu says, then don't turn around. And then, you know, Maul's there. And then the Bendu like immediately pieces out because he doesn't want to talk to Maul. And I'm like, but I thought you were supposed to be the one in the middle. Why... Why wouldn't you talk to a dark side person? Why aren't you I talking don't... to my boy? Right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm so mad about it. Like, I don't I don't know. And I would be super interested in the kind of conversations that the Bendu would have with people like Ahsoka and Maul. People who have like, you know, they used to lie strongly with one of the sides, but they've chosen to walk kind of a more middle path. But the Bendu's like, nah, pass. So I don't I don't know. The yeah. fact that you know, he claims to be in the middle, but I don't really, I never really see that from him. He just, he's just so determined to be disengaged from, from the universe, which isn't how I read the force at all. I think the force is very much engaged with the universe. And the whole point is for us to engage and make connections with the people around us. You know, that I don't know, Ben do, I got some questions for you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, that's a good point, though, Katie. And, and in some ways, the Bendu is somewhat reminiscent of Luke in Last Jedi in the sense that 
there's kind of this foolish notion that you can somehow retreat from things and how that might be a good thing when inherently it's not, you know, the force is obviously clearly always invested in, in what's going on in the galaxy. So to withdraw thinking that's the right thing is never the right thing. Um, and I think, you know, I'm with you, Katie, I've always found the Bendu suspect, um, and I was like, I don't get it. And we also, to be fair, we also never get any sort of resolution about what the hell he's about, um, which makes no yeah. sense to me, right? Like, again, that was something that was opened and just left open and didn't get any resolution, which I just think is, you know, it's like, to me, it's bad storytelling. It's like, why bring something like this in and not resolve it? But be yeah. that as it may, it's not. But maybe they do resolve it by not resolving it. Let me make sense of that. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So All we, right. I got my popcorn yeah. here. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I'm kind of trying to say with that is, is exactly kind of what you're indicating Katie is that like, he isn't really anything more than just remind us that the, that like other people can access the force, but he's not some force God, right? He's flawed. He, his notion is, is that maybe that there is something about the force and the importance of some middle way, but, he's flawed like he's not really invested in things like he ought to be and that's really the only resolution is that you know there isn't and and think of the way kanan has a relationship with the bendu right like he kind of looks to the bendu as his new master right like he's looking for guidance from the bendu in the same way that ray goes to luke looking for guidance right this is what happens when we think we find these godlike heroes and they fail right um you know that sometimes they're not what you need even though you think they are and you want them mm. to be right. Like that's mm-hmm. what probably breaks Ray's heart more than anything is that Luke lets her down, right? Like oh, he's, yeah. he's not oh, being yeah. who she knows he really is. And I think for Kane and his frustration is, is the Bendu is like playing like this huge, like force God role, but he's just a flawed coward. And I think Kanan's onto something there. He is kind of cowardly, you know, he's not investing himself in the state of, of the galaxy like he ought to be. So I'm with you, Katie. He's a hack. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think, Bobby? What are your thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's interesting to think about that he's he's just as flawed as everyone else, you know. Um, and you can stand the Bendu. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Defend the Bendu if you if you like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Jason loves yeah. him. I think he loves. Yeah. I think he loves Tom <laughs> Baker, but <laughs> and by default the Bendu, but. <laughs> But he's he's just not getting involved at all, isn't he? And, and he's just sit, sitting there with his head, literally, you know, with his head buried in the sand, mm. almost, you know, yeah. and yeah. and deciding not to get involved. I I don't think that's the will of the force, personally. You know, I personally believe the will of the force is life and more life, and um, to to sit idly by and allow, you know, people to destroy life is obviously something that's contrary to that, you know. Um, and in a way, he's being he's being selfish in, in in his own way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, you guys, you need to play Star Wars: The Old Republic because it's excellent, <laughs> and I'm always going to bring it up. I'm never not going to talk about Star Wars: The Old Republic. But there's this um, uh, uh, Jedi Padawan who um, uh, she ends up like you know she makes a couple Sith friends because <laughs> it's the old Republic. It's weird. Jedi and Sith can just talk and hang out and go to the cantina together, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, she starts kind of understanding where her Sith friends are coming from. And she's all like, okay, that's, I know you guys are corrupting me. I need to go. And so she finds a, um, uh, a Jedi master who's, you know, yeah, like secluded himself. And she's all like, oh, but you're so powerful. You know, you're so connected to the force. Why don't you come in and fight? And he's like, no, you know, fighting is never the w- the will of the force. It's, I'm, 
I'm just going to stay out here and meditate in this clearing. And she finds that she just can't abide by that where she's like personal peace is one thing you have found personal peace out here, but it's so it's not right for me. And so she comes back and, you know, and reengages with the war and she's all like, I'll never be Sith, but I'm not sure I can be a Jedi either. If that's what that means being mm. so disengaged like that. I don't know. It was a really fascinating story. Like her, that's a, I mean, Ashara. That's, yeah, that's such a yeah. cool cool point though, Katie. Because right, because mm-hmm. the original Star Wars story is the hero's journey, right? That's what the mm-hmm. original trilogy is, and the key component of a hero's journey is that last part, the return, right? Mm-hmm. There's such an immense importance to that withdrawal experience, that going into the desert, that you know, battling mm-hmm. your inner demons, finding that inner peace and balance. But if that's only for yourself you haven't finished, right? Like the work yeah. is to do that so that you can come bring that back to the galaxy. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, the Bendu, Dave Filoni said that the Bendu's like only goal is to go back to sleep. That's all he wants is to go back to sleep, which, you know, he played off for laughs and I'm kind of like, wow, that's, that's not great. That's, that, that's all he wants is to go back to sleep. He's clearly found some amount of personal peace that he can just, you know, take a nap and be chill with himself, but it's not, great that that's all he wants you know he needs you know i think it would be the will of the force for him to engage and not just go back and take a nap naps are pretty good though they are they are excellent <laughs> i agree i like it's not like i don't sympathize i'm like i understand man you just you've earned that nap but <laughs> oh my god i uh, love it yeah. <laughs> harrison doula deserves a nap sir not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the people that are actually working hard. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, do work first, then you can nap, Ben, do. Yeah, you got to earn that. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, Carl, can you think of any any examples of where we see the will of the force in action? Uh, literally the third act of Rogue One. Um, yes. 100%. <laughs> Hundred percent, and and I want to go to that one first and foremost because again, it's not involving Jedi. Um, that you know, while I find a lot of, you know, I mean, obviously Luke's character is very flawed initially in Last Jedi. There's still a lot of wisdom in the sense of the Force does not belong to the Jedi, um, and I just feel like the third act of Rogue One indicates that, right? That the will of the Force is clearly being enacted here. That people give everything, even if they don't get to see the benefit of it, right? That is the that is the supreme example of selflessness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing I got to give a shout out to. But I don't know where else. Where do you guys see it enacted? Well, it, Rogue One, sort of leading into A New Hope, raises an interesting question because we get to a stage where, you know, the those Death Star plans they've they've gotten through to the you know Leia ship. Um, literally by the skin of their teeth mm. and then obviously the, the empire are hot on their heels and then they get passed off so my question is does the will of the force does it also flow through droids because obviously they're, they're putting into r2d2 and c3 you know and and they, they get away from the empire so that that raises an interesting one hmm yeah i will l3 would be sure to say hell yeah it does um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. She'd be the first one to stand up. <laughs> yeah. I think without getting, I, 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 I don't know. Have either of you ever seen that book, um, star Wars and philosophy, um, no. that was published probably mm-hmm. like a decade ago now, but it's it just, it looks at a lot of, I've never been a huge fan of philosophy. I just, whatever to me. Um, uh, but it, I've read some of it and there's an entire essay in there about like 
you know, the importance of droids and, and, and are they are droids enslaved in the Star Wars galaxy? Do they have a sentience? Um, right. And this is a question that's been kind of restoked with the character of L3 and Solo. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say this without getting into all that nitty gritty part of it, um, that, yeah, of course, the will of the force can use the can use droids. Um, do I think droids are can use the force? That's up for debate. I mean, inherently, I'd probably say no, but I don't think that they're outside the purview of the will of the force, um, that the will of the force is going to do whatever it takes to make life happen. Um, so if that means putting some hope into some droids, let's do it up. Those droids now become the bearers of hope, right? Like that's that's what they are in A New Hope. They're the bearers of hope. So that's my thought. What do you guys think? Um, I, I like what you're, what, what you're laying down. Um, just a, a side note here. There is specifically a character in Star Wars, the old Republic named Leha. <laughs> <laughs> and she is all about droids and trying to prove that the forces and droids, and it's another fascinating story. So yeah, Star Wars, the old Republic, great game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Your homework from this episode, read revenge of the Sith novel and play old, the Re- old Republic. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like, um, that, yeah, the character of L3, I like, um, some of the stuff she's been giving in the, in the expanded material about how she talks, um, in last shot about how, you know, what it means to have a maker Mm. and you know what, when she says, maybe when we talk about the maker, we're talking about ourselves because, you know, she influences people who influence her. And so we're all kind of growing and evolving together. And maybe that's what the maker is, is all of us, you know, influencing each other. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's the force you guys. That's, life forms living together for mutual advantage. <laughs> um, and so um, could, could our, our droids part of the force? I think yes, because I think, you know, they can grow and evolve and have that sentience, you know, if, if given the chance, I think if a droid was like routinely mind wiped and w- could never learn, could never evolve, um, then, then maybe they would never reach senti- sentience on that level. Um, but I think, you know, someone like R2, who, you know, hasn't been memory ripped in, in centuries, you know, and someone like L3, who has, you know, um, built programs upon programs, you know, within herself to, to make herself unique in that way. Yes, they are definitely individuals and they definitely have sentience. But could they use the force? I think no, because I don't think they have midichlorians. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think, it, you know, it, it exists within all living things, mm-hmm. you know, and so, um, you know, it's the midichlorians connect all living things to each other. And then th- that is what gives, a, you know, Jedi like actual like superpowers, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I'd 100% agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, another example I want to bring up that uh, I, I think that you see the force in action is um, it's at the end of Return of the Jedi. There's a moment in the movie where everything seems to go wrong. You know, um, uh, Luke is fighting his father. Um, the uh, you know the rebels kind of get captured and surrounded, and that. Uh, and it's and obviously the the, the rebel fleet are, are not praying so so well either. But then the moment in that film when the when the battle turns around is when Chewie and the Ewoks swing on that rope vine and lands on top <laughs> of that walker. Everything. (laughs) 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 
everything everything in the battle changes from that point on, onward which leads me to conclude that the, the will of the force is working through life forms like the ewoks and wookies working together for mutual advantage mm-hmm. love it yeah. Uh, yeah yeah and you know and I think another moment that's I mean that's that's phenomenal. I, I think another moment, of course, at the end of Return of the Jedi is when Luke looks at his father's severed hand, looks at his own robotic hand, and he pauses. Right, he he he, you know, turns off his lightsaber and pauses. And I think it's where he decides, right? Like there is there are two choices here. I mean, he could kill his father, eradicate an evil from the galaxy, but it's not the right choice, right? And instead, he turns that off and. Whether or not he hears the midichlorians literally speaking to him in that moment saying, this is what you need to do, or if it's just him listening to his deepest truth, I, I, again, it's up to your own point of view. But something there too, right? Like Luke understands. And again, um, I don't know if you guys have ever read the Return of the Jedi novel. It, overall, it's nothing great. None of the original trilogy novels are that great in my opinion. But actually that scene is actually pretty well written in um, the Return of the Jedi novel. It mm-hmm. talks about how Luke understands that it's the darkness itself that he's fighting, and you can't fight darkness with darkness, right? Like the famous Martin Luther King Jr. quote, right? You know, darkness can't cast out darkness. Only, only light can do that. Only love can do that. And so he shuts off his lightsaber, finally understanding that the way to defeat the dark- darkness is to just denounce it. Um, and he understands in that moment that violence is the tool of the darkness. So he won't do it. Um, so I think in that moment, Luke encapsulates the will of the force the will of the force is life and life isn't about death isn't it about killing so luke turns that blade off and he doesn't know what that's going to mean for him right he doesn't know what's going to come out of this very very likely his own death yeah he exactly. understands <laughs> in that moment this is the right thing to do um so right and and yeah. almost giving it a maybe somewhat parallel moment of choice is in last jedi when kylo yes right is reaching out to ray i knew you'd like this um, yes <laughs> kylo's reaching out to ray inviting her into while it would be a somewhat warped relationship um and i loved the way you talked about it last last week katie you know this mm-hmm. again a notion i'd never heard of which was that of the uh the blundered blundered proposal is that what it's called yeah. Um, but, <laughs> that was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Katie was educating all of us last week. It was great. Um, Pride and Prejudice and Star Wars <laughs> in one sentence. That was brilliant. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> but in that moment, Kylo's offering her, you know, certainly something she craves, which is connection, right? And, and they both do, right? In that moment, they're, he's trying to end both their isolations, but she understands that that's not the will of the Force for her. Maybe that's... Maybe that's not exactly how she's thinking of it, but in that moment, she certainly knows what's the right choice and what's not the right choice for her. While in Mm -hmm. some ways it could be good for her and maybe, yeah, well, if I stay close to him, I could convince him to stop firing on the fleet and, you know, do the right thing. But she understands that he's not ready for the -hmm. truth yet. So, no, I'm not going to join you. I'm not I'm going to reject that because the will of the force is for life and you're you're not there yet. You're not ready to, to, to give that yet. So. Ooh, I'll take I'll take that moment and I'll raise you the one from uh, from the Last Jedi novel. Again, I haven't read the whole thing, but my Twitter is just like every time there's a really great Ray or Kylo passage, you know, somebody on my Twitter posts it. So I've <laughs> I've read a lot of individual scenes. Um, the one where Ray wakes up and Kylo is still unconscious after after the the lightsaber explodes, yes. and she decides not to kill him, mm-hmm. you know, because she she 
you know, she, she could, she absolutely could. Um, but she's like, she knows that would be wrong. And she's like the, the force must have a, a purpose for Kylo Ren. It, the force isn't done with him and it would be wrong for me to kill him. So she leaves him alive and she, she gives him his lightsaber, you know, and, and she leaves. And I just that that that's the will of the force. You guys like she, she knows that it would be like wrong to kill him. And that was, you know, the force speaking to her, telling her what's, what's right and what's wrong. Awesome. Yeah. It's a really good scene. Yeah. And you can almost contrast that because that, I remember that scene in the force awakens novel, where mm-hmm. she bests Kylo and he's you know on you know on the ground in front of her, and in that novel I think it's the voice of Snoke, but it's clearly the voice of the dark side. Tell yeah, her to telling finish her. him yeah. off, right? Finish him off. Um, but she mm-hmm. d- doesn't do it there either, right? Um, well, the, the planet has to literally tear itself in half to keep her from doing it, though, mm-hmm. which was like my first moment of like, whoa, what is the force? You know, that to me was like such a, you know, the force like intervening between these two, you know, like just (laughs) warring, these two warring sides that that the planet literally split itself in half to stop them from fighting. And I was like, well, what's going on here? What is this connection that the force itself intervened between them? You know, because that look on her face, she was going to kill him. She definitely was. She was so angry. She's so keyed up. And she was like, I'm going to avenge Han. Like, no, there was there was nothing going to stop her except the force itself, like literally just like put a huge ravine between them. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you guys think that was like the force? Definitely. definitely. Yeah. The way you explained <laughs> but, it. Hell yeah. And it's, and it's interesting, <laughs> interesting that in the in I mean, obviously, if that would have been like the dark side completely out of control, if she had done that, you know, she would have been mm-hmm. given into like a, a, a moment of. You know, just giving into the moment, basically. But when you yeah. see her um, having her her first lesson with Luke, you know, she goes straight to the dark side, and she's like, "Yeah, big deal, no, no, no bother." You know, she just goes straight to it, and and but but Luke has been raised up to be absolutely petrified of the dark side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Well, I think you know it's it's always going to be there. I love the the island and the visuals of the island, the way um, the island of Octo, the way um, Ryan Johnson designed it, where the light side is is this peak. You know, it's it's the highest point of uh, of of the island, and you know, it's just you're bathed in light. But then the dark side is this cavern underneath it, and you know, and and there's something in there that Ray needs to see, something she needs to confront, and and Luke is like, no, you cannot go down there. When you know, with his own training, when there was the dark side tree and Yoda was like, yeah, in you must go. There was something in there that he had to see and had to confront. There was something he needed to learn. And it's just so fascinating to me that, that when it was Luke's turn to be the teacher, he was like, no, do not go in there. I will be so mad if you go in there. In fact, I'm, I'm mad that you're thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that interesting that, um, Luke got a lesson from the dark side that was still mm-hmm. valuable to him you know oh, yeah I, I think at that moment in empire when he's looking um at vader's hand and then he looks sorry not empire sorry in return of the jedi when he's looking at vader's cut off hand and then he's looking at his own hand in my mind he's getting a flashback to the dagobah cave and oh, thinking yeah. whoa you know this is this is what's going to happen to me if i carry on you know same oh yeah i totally agree because he's like he's like i've been here before and i see where this leads because in that vision on dagobah you know he killed vader only to discover that in 
killing someone he thought he had every reason to hate, he killed himself. Because that's that's what happens when we when we kill, when we take a life, even if we think that was the most justified thing in the world. Because of course, like how could it be wrong to kill this evil person? You are killing a part of yourself. And of course there's the literal, you know, he's your father, Luke. But, you know, it's not the face of his father that he sees beneath the mask. It's his own face. And the force is telling him, when you take this life, you are killing a part of yourself. And so, yeah, when Luke looks at his own hand, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not killing. If I kill him, I'm not killing him. I'm killing myself. I'm killing a part of me and I'm giving a part of myself to to the dark side, you know, and. Yeah, it's it's real good. It's real good storytelling. <laughs> good job, George Lucas. I don't know, George, if anybody has ever told you good job, but good job, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one other one other point I wanted to raise. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we see that, you know, the 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 Sith are destroyed and balance is restored to the galaxy and so is justice and peace and whatever, you know. Hooray! So, <laughs> 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 so there's certain elements that you need to get in the mix in order to accomplish that so you need to obviously have luke you need Mm -hmm. to have the ewoks and chewbacca and and the entire rebellion right Uh so you need to get all those things in in place in order to do that so but where did the rebellion where do they get their lifeblood from han solo han solo duh yeah but but where did han but where did Han Solo get the get, get that lifeblood from? <gasps> Darth Maul. Exactly. <gasps> oh, Darth Maul! Thank you for everything. <laughs> he was the hero the whole time. I knew it. I knew it. Yes. Ah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> See. <laughs> I love. I love. I love taking the sixty thousand, uh, you know, foot view of the force, and when you're watching, yes. when you're watching the films, and and really boiling it down and seeing it where it all comes from. It comes from Maul. Oh. oh my god! Yeah, no, I think if you sat down with Maul and was all like, "Hey, listen, you, yes, we stole from you. Yes, one hundred percent. This money will eventually kill Sidious. Sidious is gonna die because of this money." Maul would be all like, "I'm investing everything. Here you go, just all of it. <laughs> I'm Take all in. All. I'm all in." Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he would be so happy to know that. I love it. <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. I told you. I told you you should get a kick out of it, didn't I, Carl? Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. It's so perfect. Oh, God. I love it. Wow. <laughs> so we, that's it. Did we, did yeah, we tackle yeah. everything, Bobby? I think we've covered everything. I think that's a good place to leave it, don't you? Mm-hmm. I, I, couldn't, I won't disagree. Oh, it was so fun. <laughs> um, now, what a, what a great topic. I love that this was what you, you brought for us to talk about today. And I appreciate the, you know, the fact that we can, we can talk about this and all have very much our own points of view that may not even match up. But I, yeah. appreciate, I appreciate the ability to dissent with one another without hating or belittling the other's opinion. Because, again, I think... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, and... I think that right. This is such an integral part of Star Wars. We're all going to have our own takes on things and, and where they come from. And um, I think the will of the Force is that we all take into we take into account all of those things and give them the light of day. Like because they all have yeah. truth. We all speak truth. 
So yeah, exactly. I love I love seeing it from your guys's point of view. Even though that's not my point of view, I am fascinated and like you know like oh, but then how did how did how did you reach this conclusion that's different than mine? How are you viewing the material in a different way than me? I love I love that stuff, and I and I'm so glad that you know we have this fandom that can look at things in different ways. Yeah, and the great thing is obviously that the the mm-hmm. story is not over; it's still continuing with the sequel trilogy. You know, mm-hmm. it's, the sequel trilogy is something that I can't. I'm I'm processing all the time, and I think until we've had episode nine, you know, I, I won't be able to process it fully. So that's why I kind of I've not got as much of it in the notes as you know I probably could have could have had. But um, yeah, it's it's the story's not over yet, and it's just going to keep on getting better. Oh yeah. Oh man, can you imagine this conversation like again, but after episode nine? Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That it's. I mean, yep. it, we're gonna have to have it again. That's all. There you go. Oh yeah, definitely. Yep. So. Yep. <laughs> and just over a year's time, we'll know. So. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. Well, Bobby, seriously, thank you so much for this incredible topic and obviously contributing so much to the show. Um, oh, it's my I, pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You know, this is this was a lot more fun than I than I even imagined it was going to be. You know. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason for that. Her name's Katie. Um, <laughs> she makes everything better. So. <laughs> You but, guys are nice. Yeah, it was great talking to you, Bobby. This is this is excellent. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, like I like I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, we are saving um, the 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 poll for next week, um, which is what is your favorite force power? Um, so we will you'll see that up on our social media this week, um, and uh, we're also going to hold. There's one episode left of the Star Wars. A New Hope radio drama, which we will play at the end of next week's episode, which is also an episode dedicated to all things Christmas and Star Wars. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we, we will cap off the the Christmas season by by giving you the final episode of the New Hope radio drama. Um, but again, Bobby, like, can't thank you enough for this amazing topic. It was so much fun. And I love your voice in the Star Wars community. You have such an incredible mind for Star Wars and it's so different from all of ours and, and I appreciate it and I love it and I, I can't wait to keep hearing more of your own thoughts on Star Wars. Aw, um, thanks, Carl. So that being said, and I forgot to ask you this before we recorded where I give you the option to obviously say no and it's less awkward while asking you while we're recording, but if people would like to interact with you and, and, and share some of their thoughts on this episode and, and what you might have had to say about the will of the Force and just Star Wars in general, is there anywhere you're comfortable inviting people to have that conversation with you? Yeah, I mean, probably in the comment section, like on the on the One Layer Facebook page is always a good place. Uh, and if you wanted to see some of my quirky Lego Star Wars photos, then you can follow me on Instagram at Lego Bobby Fett. I love it. On the Instagram. You're so British. Um, <laughs> so I'm just kidding. Um, well, and, you know, as always, everyone, if you want to comment on this show, which was fantastic, um, you can do that on our Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can find us on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast. Email us at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to host your own show of the Wampas Lair like Bobby did, head on over to patreon.com slash Wampas Lair Podcast. You get all the information there. Katie, do it. <laughs> Katie, where can people continue to hear your great thoughts on Star Wars? Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Poe Hot Dameron. 
It's amazing. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Wampus Alert Podcast. This has been episode 312, The Will of the Force. For Bobby and Katie and Jason, I am Carl, and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>